0: Hello and welcome to the Money Smart Podcast. I'm the host, Oase, and we speak about different financial topics and various different skills in this podcast. For example, budgeting, ices, and the specific mindsets to have the best outcome managing your finances. In this podcast, we target older children just entering university and parents within families to meet our overall goal of investing in families throughout the cost of living crisis. I hope you enjoy Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Money Smart podcast where I'm joined by Ola, more well known as All Things Money. Would you like to give yourself a little introduction about who you are?
1: Yeah, so my name is Ola and I'm the founder of All Things Money, which is a personal finance platform that teaches young adults how to manage their finances effectively.
0: So in terms of your actual content and um, everything you do at the moment, you've got a substantial following. How did it all how did you get to where you are now? How, what was the influence that made you want to continue this journey on social media?
1: Good question. So I started All these Money back in lockdown when i just graduated university. Long story short, I was meant to move to Australia, but obviously thanks to COVID, I had to stay put. So during that time, I learned how to invest in the stock market and then got some of my friends investing as well. I was like, guys, is the perfect time to start investing. And then I quickly realized, oh, my gosh, like, every young person across the uk should know how to invest in the stock market so whilst i was born i was like why not just create an instagram page to teach people how to make some money but manage their money effectively etc etc and yeah three years later here we are
0: <laughs> in terms of the like the content everything how do you how do you maintain like accurate sources because we see a lot of um, a lot at the moment you have like different like the new social media threads mm-hmm. there's a lot of information that could be going around which isn't quite accurate how do you concise short information so it's as accurate as possible
1: to be honest I think it's all about like self-education so everything that when I with everything I st- started sharing when I first started all these videos is all based on everything I knew and then obviously after that you realize how much you don't know so then you have to further extend your own education and your knowledge so I read loads of books obviously there's so many credible sources out there as well such like Martin Lewis and things like that and his website so yeah it's a mixture of like education from books that I've read and also just using credible sources online
0: Say, as I'm a beginner now, just early time, just getting into work, what would your best tip be for me trying to go on my financial journey more now and trying to learn about how I can better myself and like with different budgets and stuff like that?
1: So I'd say number one tip when you first go get a job is to work out a budget. Now, everyone always is like, oh, a budget's boring, Why well, I don't know how to budget. But I think it's really important that you establish what your budget is because it allows you to work out what you can and can't afford to spend. It'll allow you to work out what you can afford to save because, obviously, ideally, you want to be able to create a savings pot. And then it'll also allow you to work out how much you can invest in the stock market as well. So it's really important to create that budget, which basically is essentially... Listing all your expenses, what your income is, deducting the two, and then you're left with your disposal income, and then that will allow you to work out how much you can afford to spend on a regular basis.
0: Is there a particular method that you stick to when you speak about budgeting? Because in previous um, guests that we've had, they've had different methods. Like the I think it's the fifty twenty thirty method. Is there a yeah. particular one that you stick to yourself?
1: So I just use the traditional budgeting methods. Very standard, quite boring. So like I said, literally list out all what my income is deduct all my expenses and I'm then left with um, disposal income but I go that little step further and I give myself a weekly budget so with my disposal income for the month I then divide how many other weeks there are in the month and then give myself a weekly budget and then move that weekly budget over into my Mondo account and then only spend with that card so I know I've got a limit that I can spend every week.
0: You speak about like uh, your Monzo card and you see a lot of banks now having these different things where you can allocate different budgets. Is there particular apps that you would suggest to actually help people who are a bit struggling? And like, because you see now with like Excel sheets, it can get quite confusing. Is there apps mm-hmm. that you would suggest maybe? Yes,
1: yeah, so I love Monzo. I think Monzo is great if you're maybe looking to create an extra step for bank account. They also give you like um, an analysis of your spending. There are also great budgeting apps out there like Money Hub. Again, absolutely love that app. I think it's really great because it gives you um, that overview of your spending again. It also tells you like alerts on your subscriptions, things like that. So, yeah, there's so many budgeting apps out there. But those are my two top recommendations.
0: And in terms of the budgeting, you speaking about your journey, as you've Mm -hmm. actually built your following, I'm sure you've been invited to many different events. How have you? How have you found doing it live and all the nerves and everything? How have you found actually putting a face to it in front of all your, I say, fans now or like people who <laughs> believed in you?
1: Um, I won't have any fans yet, maybe one day. <laughs> um, but I think when it comes to talking at events and like preaching the gospel of personal finance, I think it's really important you realise that you get better over time. Like I think I used to give myself such a hard Time when I used to be really nervous and like probably stumble over over all my words, but I think now that I've done like probably like over a hundred talks, probably saying the same thing or sharing the same type of information, it does kinda of get easier with time. But yeah, I love talking about money, so yeah, I love doing events for that very reason.
0: You speak about um constantly like repeating yourself in different events. What would be that number one tip then that you give to anyone, say at my stage at the younger generation? What's that number one tip? You mentioned budgets. Is there anything mm-hmm. else you would suggest?
1: Yeah, start building an emergency pot of money or a pot of savings. I think when you are younger, you obviously have less, what's the word? You have less commitments. So you might hopefully have some more disposable income. So if you can, definitely start building that emergency pot of money. And if you get to a point where you have a, a healthy kind of size savings pot, then you might want to look at investing in the stock market I always joke now that I wish I started investing when I walked out the womb. So again, if you can start earlier with your investing journey, then the longer you can invest for, which hopefully over time might grow um, to a great um, investment pot.
0: In terms of the investing side, is there any particular rules you have? Because it's funny you mentioned this because we've just done a post on it about half an hour ago about if you should invest or if you should save. And there's three questions Mm -hmm. we've asked. Do you have any debt? Do you have an emergency pot of money? and what are your actual goals are is there anything that you would you agree with that and is there anything you go alongside that
1: yeah i'd exactly say those three things i'd probably go one step further and be like have you done the research into what you want to invest in because i think some people always just go into investing and because of their friend or their friend told them to put money in xyz so i think it, do your own investments so like do your own research so have you done your readings um what are you going to invest in and like you said bring that back to your goals. So why are you investing? Are you investing because you want to or because someone's pressured you to do it? Are you investing because you can afford to invest on in maybe 10 plus years? If you can't, then maybe investing might not be for you. So yeah, so I definitely would just add those little bit and um, extra pointers on top.
0: What would your opinions be on things such as ETFs? Then, Do you think that's a good thing to actually look into going to alongside investing maybe? Because it's more, I guess it could be more of a bit of a safer option.
1: Yeah, so I won't give any advice into what you should should or shouldn't invest in? But ETFs could be a great option for some people. It allows you to kind of diversify your portfolio. And um, again, it allows you to maybe potentially reduce your risk compared to if you are going to invest in one individual stock. But again, ETFs, index funds—those are words that are kind of flown around all the time. So before you invest in one, again, read into that. What does it mean? What is the risk allocated to that set investment? So yeah, just please do your own research.
0: How did, how did your investing journey actually start? Because you said about how you come to your actual social media following. How did it actually mm-hmm. start for you? Because you say you're st- saying about, oh, you wish you started from the womb. How did you get into your investing?
1: Good question. So I did a placement year when I was at university and I read a book called Money, a User's Guide by Laura Waitley. And I thought I was pretty clued up on how I manage my finances and just how to be frugal or whatever and then I read that book and it made me realize how little I knew about literally everything to do with the world of finance and she touched on investing so well so I kind of knew what investing was when I was in, at university but I didn't have the spare cash and then we got to lockdown obviously we saw the cross stock market crashed which I read around and everyone was like now's probably a great time to kind of enter the market so Yeah, I actually did take the advice of other people, plus another friend that was kind of like, oh, if you're going to start investing, maybe now might be a good opportunity. And I did have that spare capital to kind of invest alongside having an emergency pot of money as well.
0: I'm sure you've read a lot of books since then. What would your best book you'd be to suggest to someone at the moment to read if they wanted to learn a bit more about financial literacy and learning a bit more about their finances?
1: Oh, good question. I would honestly say Money Users Guide by Laura was honestly like the best book I first read. So that one's really, really good because it covers everything. They're not just investing. I'd also would say, oh, I've got enough. Well, i There's another um, book, which is great, called Girls Just Want to Have Funds. I know statistically speaking, women invest less than men. So if there's any women looking to invest and don't know where to get started, then that's another book I'd really, really recommend.
0: Would you like to? You mentioned that book about ghosts just want to have fun, does it? Funds, yes, funds, funds.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah.
0: So, um, what what is it actually about, and what are the specific topics that are spoken in it? So, people who are looking into it can just get a brief overview from you actually yeah. reading it yourself.
1: Yeah. So that book again just focuses on investing solely, but with like a. It's just not overwhelming. I think sometimes when you read. Um, look into investing people are talking about stocks and shares people are talking about trading someone's talking about xyz that sometimes can be really overwhelming but that book just simplifies it so well just as much as money a user's guide does too
0: you see in terms of books as well how the modern technology is turning towards more like short youtube and mm-hmm. stuff to do with youtube is there anything you should would suggest online online resources which are best at actually building on this if people aren't really interested in reading books in this modern day
1: Yeah. Oh, good question. Well, obviously checking out this podcast, but you're already here if you're listening. Um, I also have a personal finance podcast that teaches pretty much everything we're not taught about at school, which is called the All Things Money podcast. And there's just so many great TikTokers, Instagrammers now that honestly, if you just type, like type in the hashtag personal finance, you'll probably find so many great creators that kind of share similar content to what I share. And obviously you have to do your due diligence before you um, follow some certain people. But I think. for the most part a lot of them are really really great.
0: You just touched on it about schools and um, financial education do you think obviously our business is all about teaching the young generation about financial education do you think that Mm is not sufficiently provided in schools now and how how would you change it looking back how would you change the approach that schools have now?
1: Good question so I would honestly say that (laughs) financial literacy is really really lacking in schools and I don't think it's the fault of schools or teachers themselves, but I think the government needs to place a higher priority for the case that financial literacy is important. Um, that being said, I think there's so many great organisations out there now that deliver personal finance. And I think if schools can partner with those organisations or if the government or other large corporations can fund these org- like these charities to do the work they do, I think that would be a great way of infiltrating through the system and getting financial literacy out there.
0: We see an interesting stat. I remember on our chase, that in the whole of Europe, only 52% of adults have the basic financial skills they need to live in the current climate. And we just thought that was actually really eye-opening because we're yeah. trying to build the foundations now. But I absolutely agree, that the government need to do more. But I feel like it's the accessibility as well, like not enough children know about this. And it's about bringing it in a fun and interactive way because as a child, we've just recently been through, our team being 16, 17 years, you heard the word money, it's just a boring topic because it doesn't really concern you of that age. So yeah. it's about bringing the fun, el- fun element into that. Is there any way you should, would suggest bringing that across or any way you would differ from that opinion?
1: Yeah, I think when it comes to money, I think it's really hard because we obviously have to sit through so many subjects, which I'm not going to say which one's worse than the other, but I think when you... Maybe think of like something like a topic like maths. I think maths can be so much more engaging if you brought in real world life, life concepts into it. Like people are always like, well, I ne- don't need to use know how to do percentages because I've got my calculator. But if you actually teach percentages in a way where interest rates are in- like included and in how you can make money in your bank account or how compound interest works when you're investing in the stock market, I think that's one way of actually getting more traction from a younger audience. But I think as well, when simplifying it, if you're going down the route into like um, primary school TM um, children, just letting them pay with money and understanding that, you know, this is a challenge, like this is a challenge what to give you. You've got £10, you've got to, like, I don't know, maybe not £10, because £10 don't cover much now, but you've got maybe like a £50 budget. You have to try and get to all some thousand back with that budget. Let's see how much, you're, how you're going to be able to do that. And just having those conversations with money, I don't think it's necessary having to know, how maybe not how to manage money when you're that young, but just having those conversations about money, what it is, how it works. Because I think now we're coming into a generation where people won't really see cash anymore we're all just kind of like used to like contactless and tapping away. So I think having those conversations that allow people to just kind of really understand what money is and how it actually makes the world go round is really, really important.
0: Well, that's why we actually have our books of the the Kiki story the storybook and then the Learn to Save book. And in terms of that, it's because, as you mentioned, we're moving into a contactless society, but then there needs to be the physical things there where they realise how much that actual money's worth. So we do it in a fun mm-hmm. and interactive way where they can actually learn at the same time as well as having a good time but then at the same time would you suggest actually having lessons on it because what we've been debating as a team if we would have a lesson on it we would get slightly a bit bored because if you look at the current curriculum at the moment it's very hectic like you have about mm-hmm. six lessons a day are you really going to be focusing that lesson are you really going to be taking away so do you think it should be more in schools or maybe around it like say they have in their golden time or something there's a specific time where it's fun but at the same time they're learning and they're having a little break at the same time
1: good question good question i think it, i think depending on the age i think it can be a mixture of the two i think obviously when you get to like year 11 sixth form i think that's when you probably need the, a lesson form and i don't think it needs to be as such as what's 50 30 20 class like i think it can be engaging i've seen charities going to schools and they've had the whole class Cooked for the whole hour. So again, I think it's just the delivery, and I think the delivery needs to come from people that are maybe slightly younger or people that are relatable rather than the content. Because I think sometimes the content might be boring, but if you have someone that actually delivers it in such an engaging way, then you're absolutely fine. So I think it is more the delivery than necessarily just the content.
0: This may be a slightly tough question, but if you used to look back now, what would you say the critical ages where this needs to be taught in schools?
1: Oh, good question. I think. Personally, I think from the age of sixteen upwards. However, studies have shown that money habits develop as from as a, from as young as age seven. So, I think personally, I think sixteen we would have been more engaged with the topic. But I think now, having seeing how much a huge impact money can have on like such young people, I think it can just go, it can start a lot younger. What about yes.
0: you? Um, I'm gonna agree because uh, I remember when I did my um, episode three, I think it was with Timmy. It's the first time I discovered what a pension was. And I was like, <laughs> it's it's just, it's quite mind-like it opens your mind because at the age of 16, mm-hmm. you, a lot of my friends are getting jobs now. And like, where are you going to put that money? You're just going to leave it? You're just going to spend it when yes. you go with your friends? So it's just that key age of when they're first getting their money, how are they going to manage it? And to speak about pensions, is there any specific tips you'd have when building a pension? Is it start early or is it as you get a higher wage, allocating a, a large percentage?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think if you have the ability to start early, then start early. But I think with your pension, a lot of us are automatically enrolled onto our workplace pension when we do get our first time job and we meet the set requirements to be able to be also enrolled. So with that being said, I think what's really important when you do first start your first job is to not withdraw from that pension. I think it's so easy to say, see your pay slip you're like, oh my God, I'm paying like £80 or £100 a month towards my pension. I don't, I'd rather have that money right now. But I think you also have to remember that a lot of us live into like 90 to 100 years old now we need to make sure we do have a pension put to retire with so I think my biggest tip if you're young and you're just starting your your, your first job i think to actually auto enroll and actually contribute to your pension um and then that being said if you can contribute a little bit more even better
0: is that that's more looking towards uh, long term then and we have a lot of differing opinions and different podcast guests but do, do you mm-hmm. believe in more long-term goals or is it more short-term goals for you that you can tick off and then build on more goals?
1: ah uh, that's a good question i think i think heart goals is at heart it's hard because obviously your goals change at different ages like for me my goal is to have like have a house one day but also i'm not stupid or i'm not ignorant to the fact that i am going to retire as well so i think it's really important that i make sure i allocate my finances accordingly so i can reach my short term and my long-term goals which is why it's really important that if you do have a goal in mind is to kind of like write them down because again it gives you a holistic view of what your goals are maybe allows you to prioritize where you want to put your finances accordingly too.
0: You see with in terms of goals people have these different like things that they're right down as you've mentioned but Mm -hmm. in in terms of the whole aspect of goals would you actually believe in that or is it more about looking at your circumstance and just continuing looking ahead but having a bit of a plan at the same time
1: yeah i think i mean plan goals. i think they're pretty much similar i think it's just the way how you kind of frame them but i think having a goal in place is really important because it gives you the motivation to want to uh, achieve it so I know those people often say to me like like I'm having a hard time saving I'm like well what are you saving for and they're like well I don't know I'm like that in itself is demotivating because you're being told or forcing yourself to save every month but it's harder when you don't have a goal or something kind of incentivizing you to save towards that goal so for me I know my goal is to to buy a house one day I've worked out how much I need to save every month to be able to reach that goal and buy a certain point so I think a goal or having a plan is really important because it allows you to incentivize you to kind of reach that at a certain point. Whereas if you're aimlessly just saving or you're aimlessly investing, well, you can easily give up because you have no motivation or motive to keep you going.
0: So it's more they like tie into each other. Is that what you're trying to say there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, quite, that's quite interesting if you look at it because it is a very good point because they actually do because I guess the goals are motivator, but then you have to have mm-hmm. a plan to where you're going to get there. And speaking on um, goals and like plans, as you've built up, and you've met I'm sure you've met loads of different influencers what's the best thing you've taken away from I don't know a particular influence or like the best thing you've taken away from an event when doing them
1: oh good question I would say one of my really close friends said to me once she said well she said it on my podcast actually said when you're creating your goals make sure your goals are your own goals and not because social media told you to have that goal or because society expects you to have that goal I think when you're young, I mean, I am 25, so I am still class as young. But when you are younger, you kind of look at, you know, someone who's like 10 years older than you to bought a house or someone that like your age just bought a Louvre of you know, just because they have those materialistic items or because they've reached that milestone, you have not trying to have that same goal as it because it's yours or is it because you've seen someone else do it. So I think that's really, really stuck with me. And I think that always, always helps me reframe my goal because I think sometimes we put so much hard pressure on ourselves and you're thinking why am I putting putting pressure on myself And I don't really deep down want to achieve that goal just yet? So I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned.
0: That ties in very well to a a topic that we always like to mention on this podcast which is about social media and like what do you think is the most influential app at the moment? Because you see like TikTok with the short like clips that like Mm -hmm. captivate you in but then you've got YouTube with where you can learn so much and Instagram with a short post. What do you think is the most prominent one in the current time and why?
1: TikTok for sure um in the fact that the algorithm is very clever it knows how to draw content to you that will keep you on there for hours that being said because of that you can easily find yourself either on money talk or you can be found find yourself in a fashion talk like poll and i think the addiction it can create is very very dangerous because then you don't you can you find you make sure you realize how easily influenced you can be by what, start watching certain content so yeah i think TikTok really, really is the is the dangerous one right now. Would you agree or do you have a different I, yeah, idea?
0: I, I'd agree a hundred percent. But <laughs> I think the the problem is with it is as you see these short clips, you don't you don't know what's true. You can never know what's mm. true. So is there is there an actual approach that you have to like essentially checking the content and ensuring that you're not influenced by these like false information?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's always I I always say to people have more than one source. I think it's very easy to just like glorify one person and take what they've said as gospel. I always cross-reference, cross always cross-check. I always say that when maybe if you're looking at comparison websites, if you're looking at recommendation lists, if the same names pop up or the same information pops up again, then you know, okay, that person was telling the truth. If not, then I take it with a pinch of salt. So, yeah, I always say cross-reference all the time.
0: But how do you think is the best way to like grow on TikTok then? Because you see a lot of... You say it's the most prominent platform at the moment. It's quite difficult to grow. On. Like it, it might be easier than, like, say, for example, YouTube. But then at the same time, getting them captivating clips because it's more. I don't know if you'd agree, but it's more about the how, how it looks on TikTok instead of the actual content. I believe. I don't know if you'd agree mm. with that, but how would what would the best way you would suggest for growth on TikTok would be? Well,
1: I'm not the best person to ask for growth on TikTok because I don't even have a thousand followers on there. But that being said, I think with TikTok it is consistency, I think and that's with anything, that's with any platform. I think sometimes we're in this generation now we want instant gratification, like we're upset if our post gets five views, five views is more than zero views. But I think now we're so um numbed by the numbers and we realise like, you know, we think followers are such a big thing and I think sometimes you just need to be consistent you never know when like that viral video is gonna hit or, you know, you just never know who's watching. So I think consistency wherever you're looking to go is really, really important.
0: So let's twist it then, because you say you're not very uh, big on TikTok. <laughs> so you're, you're you're quite big on Instagram, shall we say? Then, so how would <laughs> how, how what is the best way you found in in terms of to grow and like with your content? Because I was looking as well. Like you have like a constant color scheme and like everything's mm-hmm. very professional around it. How do you think the best way on Instagram is to grow in the current time?
1: Yeah, good question. I think Instagram is really hard to grow on now more than what it was into on in covid because i think people had loads more time in covid to kind of like follow platforms and things like that but i think again it just comes down to consistency because again you never know when that post might blow up like there was one time i literally spent five minutes on the post and it got like eighty thousand views like you just never know so i think consistency is really important also shouting about your platform i think nowadays we just expect the algorithm to work and it's work in our favor and it'll just pop off but i think making sure people in real life know you exist on instagram as well so having those conversations if you're in a networking event or if you're maybe speaking at an event then shouting about your platform make sure you go give us a follow or you know just making sure people know you exist because again you can't really just go off these algorithms anymore
0: you've been going for a a substantial amount of time then what? Mm -hmm. how do you this is the question that we have as well how do you not run out of content like in terms of the whole financial spectrum is just continuously learning continuously reading different books as you mentioned you have youtube or is it just about from your experiences, at events and posting about them
1: repurposing you no. can literally talk, take one post that says four different pod, um four, four different budgeting methods but you can make one post out of that one of those four four budgeting methods so you've already got four posts just from that one post you've already created a year ago so just about repurposing and being smart with it if you did a post about one thing then six months later you make a reel about it so i think no information really is new i don't think many of us financial influencers are sharing different information we all just share it very differently and we repurpose it very differently so yeah i'd say (laughs) repurpose because otherwise all these money will be out of ideas by now
0: (laughs) (laughs) in terms of um your actual instagram following you must get a lot of feedback and um suggestions by your followers how do you adjust to that appropriately and take it on board with your posts
1: to be fair, the more suggestions, the better, because then it keeps me ticking for another few months. So yeah, I think when someone has a post idea, then I'm always happy to take it on board because it just gives me another piece of content to create. And again, all these money is designed to help people. So the more suggestions I can I get, I know I'm creating a need because sometimes it's really hard to create content. You think you might, people might want it, but they might not necessarily want it because it doesn't perform very well. So suggestions are always the best kind of way to kind of create content.
0: How did the um, live events come about, like you getting invited to these events? How did it come? Did it all spring from the Instagram or was it actually something prior or your like prior experiences in the workplace?
1: Good question. So during lockdown, I used to host workshops for my own community. So I kind of learned how to kind of host events online and then so I did that for university societies. And I think just shouting about the fact that I do those um both on my platform and on LinkedIn, I think that slowly got the ball rolling to kind of advertise what I do and now it's become a service of mine. So yeah, I think again, like when you're looking to grow your social media platform, shouting about the work you do um and hopefully someone might hear and they might want to take you on. So yeah, I think it's really important just to make sure everyone's aware of what you do and what services you provide.
0: Do you do you get nervous at all when you do these workshops or anything or are you like we spoke to someone previously who just said that just flat out, don't get nervous. So, I I wish I was
1: them. I wish I was them. (laughs) Um, If I'm like, I think it varies. I think it depends who the client is, what the content is, how I'm meant to deliver the content. I think it varies, but I'd be lying if I said I'm never nervous. Um, And I think sometimes when it's a personal, personal finance can be dull, can't it? So, there's been times when I'm like talking about the subject and people just look really really bored so either they're really bored or they're just really, really concentrating hard and sometimes that can throw you off and yeah I think sometimes you you learn that you are going to be nervous I think that's absolutely fine it's just how you deal with those nerves and I think slowly but surely it's just it's my confidence is growing with um growing with practice so like I said I've done that like maybe over 100 a 100 of 10 120 talks now about personal finance so yeah I don't think anything will really catch me off guard anymore.
0: <laughs> is there any particular way you have to deal with it when you get nervous? Like, um, as I mentioned before, the person we spoke to, he didn't get nervous because he had, like, this mindset of has to prepare before. Are you that mm-hmm. type of person who has to prepare everything before? Or is it more you do it naturally, but then you deal with the nerves as you're speaking?
1: I mean, as much as i prepared, I still get nervous. So I need to know who this guy was and I need his tips. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you obviously have to prepare, but I don't think that's enough to stop the nerves. Sometimes, because obviously, at the end of the day, you want to do a good job, and so that brings natural nerves onto you anyway. I think the best way I kind of deal with nerves is just remind yourself that they they specifically picked you because you're good at what you do, and you just have to fake it till you make it. And then when you do, when you have delivered that talk, you see the feedback after. It just reinforces why you do what you do, and again, that just reminds me why I love doing what I do as well.
0: It just it just kicked to my head. It was it was um, Peter from at, at Conversations and Money. He spoke to me about. Oh uh, yeah, about that's his doesn't surprise me him
1: saying that. That's <laughs> me him saying that too. Fair, yeah, fair fair play, Pete. Fair and you've play, you've Pete. also
0: been on a lot of like news and like a lot of different programs. How do you? Mm-hmm. How do you value that experience? What was it? What was it like?
1: Yeah, good fun. Good fun. I'll, I'll, I won't, I'll, to be honest, I'm very fortunate I haven't been nervous for them. I think, again, I can always talk about myself and my do and to talk about the personal finance landscape. So that hasn't been too scary, but no, really, really good fun. I enjoy any bit of press I can get, to be honest.
0: <laughs> so look, looking forward now, what's the, what's, mm-hmm. what's, the, what's the plan for you? You mentioned your goals about getting your own house. What is the actual full plans Have you got a full landscape plan of what you look to do in the future with all things money?
1: to change every day because i am pretty much winging it i'm not gonna lie but i do want to do more events in the future so i will be hosting an event later on this year which i'm really looking forward to um and yeah hopefully you'll see more events from me in the future maybe bigger projects i won't tell too much right now um but yeah that's me for now
0: is there any on on this whole journey has there been any inspirational role models you've had or anyone who's played an influential figure in your essentially your rise as all things money
1: Oh good question I won't spend all day naming them but obviously my mum and my sister 10 out of 10 you know they deal with a lot behind the scenes some of my best friends in the personal finance space like Timmy my friend Laura and more and um, so many people I can't name them all but honestly when if you're looking to build something even if it's not a personal finance platform just surround yourself with good people because you will know it'll make a huge impact on how you kind of work every single day and they have they have great and motivating
0: you if you find the right people around you I, I really realized this like the personal finance it's like it's like it's like a community like they're yeah all, it's a massive community like i message one and then i realized no the other it's like they all you all know how everyone knows
1: everyone yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's,
0: it's, 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 really, it's really nice to see like because obviously as a younger person i wouldn't expect this because you look in. uh we reach out to people from other industries and that like, as well I mean, mm. you come into the personal finance spectrum and like everyone's very welcoming they want to help the younger generation it's really it's really great to see to be honest a lot like, thank everyone for actually doing that
1: yeah um, no it's great it's great it's a really great space
0: and in terms of um yourself like this is pitting you on the spot when i do to every single guest. <laughs> is there like an inspirational quote that you say live by or like have been very influenced by
1: so one quote that's come to, the first one that's come to my head is comparison is the thief of all joy and that is one that I always need to remind myself of because some people will look at me online and be like oh you're smashing it you're smashing it but then I look at other people and think they're killing it and I think sometimes when you're comparing yourself to people constantly it takes away how much great success you've done or how well you're actually doing so I think it's really important that I mean it's so easier said than done but if you can avoid compare and compare yourself to others I think it's really important you do
0: where, where did you get that quote from? Because I'm quite interested, because that's quite a unique one compared to the ones we have previously heard.
1: Um, it's, Honestly, I don't know who said it. I've come across it many a times because it's like one of those like um, Pinterest quotes. But um, yeah, I'm sure you can type it in and you'll see, you'll see it as a Pinterest quote everywhere. So yeah, no, I think it's a really good one. I think it's an important one that we live by, especially now that we're on social media.
0: I think that's very relevant as well because like, with the cost of living, everything, everyone's like, say because COVID came, everyone came on the rise then and then now the Mm -hmm. cost of living there's a lot of different content out there how do you
1: yeah
0: i don't know if this is a question that is really i don't know applicable but how do you differentiate yourself in that sort of respect towards the cost of living do you do like direct content on it or is it just content that can help people through it indirectly
1: yeah i think that's a really good question i think I've tailored content based on what I know my followers are struggling with or the questions I've kind of asked. I think it's really interesting because when I started All Things Money during lockdown, everyone was keen to learn how to invest in the stock market because I had to spare cash. Whereas now it's more like, Ola, what are the ways I can make extra money? How can I ask for a pay rise, et etc." et cetera. So the landscape is completely changing the kind of content people want. And again, that's why I love suggestions, because then I know the content I'm creating is genuinely helping people.
0: You mentioned about um, how they can make extra money. What are your opinions on like side hustles such as reselling? Some people do like FBAs. What are your suggestions and opinions on the whole industry around that?
1: Good question. And that's something I actually discussed with yesterday. And I think someone made a really, really good point at an event that I spoke at yesterday in the fact that creating extra cash and having a a business are two very different things and people always say to me Ola how can I make quick um how can I make extra cash and you have to ask yourself do I have the capacity to make an extra business such as FBA selling or reselling or can I just have do I have the extra hour or two to do online service for the extra cash so I think it's really important you differentiate the two because creating a whole business is not easy so if you want to do that that's fine but it's very different to just make having a side hustle for extra cash but In terms of making extra cash if you want if you have the spare time after work or anything like that they like reselling your old clothes you know doing online surveys focus groups all those things are great ways of making extra cash at the moment
0: is there any one out of them um that you'd suggest is the best one to do like as easiest one or they all quite similar
1: Again, when it comes to making extra money, I think at the moment people want just quick cash. Nothing is quick and nothing is easy. So you do have to invest your time into making money. And when I was at university, I used to do online surveys. I used to make 50 to 150 pounds a month. But I also spend a lot of time doing them. So, again, it, you you get out what you put in. So, yeah, I just think it's really important that people realise that money is not just a quick thing that you can get.
0: It's been really insightful. I'd just like to say a massive thank you for you actually coming on the podcast today and taking time out of your very busy schedule. (laughs) And um, it's been an absolute pleasure. And we'll see you for the next episode.